السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما So let's begin our lesson Before that I would like to hear a hadith from you So who would like to read? Someone who did not read yesterday You didn't read yesterday right? Go ahead أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أخبرنا يونس عن الزهري قال أخبرني سالم بن عبد الله عن أبي أنه قال رأيت رسول الله رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قام في الصلاة رفع يدي حتى تكون هذو منكبي وكان يفعل ذلك حين يكبر للركوع ويفعل ذلك إذا رفع رأسه من الركوع ويقول سمع الله لمن حمد ولا يفعل ذلك في السجود قد ما شاء الله بارك الله فيك بعيد حدثنا إسحاق الواسطي حدثنا قالد بن عبد الله عن خالد عن أبي قلابة أنه رأى مالك ابن مالك بن الحويرثي مالك بن الحويرثي إذا صلى كبر ورفع يديه وإذا أراد أن يركع رفع يديه وإذا رفع رأسه من الركوع رفع يديه يديه وحدث أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صنع هكذا قد ما شاء الله بارك الله بك باب إلى أين يرفع يديه وقال أبو حميد أبو حميد في أصحابه رفع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حذو منكبيه منكبيه قد ما شاء الله بارك الله فيك somebody from the left side حدثنا ابو يماني قال اخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال اخبرنا سالم بن عبد الله عن عبد الله ان عبد الله بن عمر ان عبد الله ان ان عبد الله ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم افتتح التكبير في الصلاة فرفع يديه حين يكبر حتى يجعلهما حذو منكبيه وإذا كبر للركوع فعل مثله وإذا قال سمع الله لمن حمد فعل مثله وقال ربنا ولك الحمد ولا يفعل ذلك حين يسجد ولا حين يرفع رأسه من السجود قد ما شاء الله بارك الله فيك Next hadith Let's read the bab See bab. until you read it out loud You won't be able to read it correctly I believe myself at home but That's fine, no problem Bab Rafael Yadaini Iza qama min al-rakatain Good For every single one of you I want you to have a goal And that is that you should be able to read 
fluently without stopping in the middle. Okay? Inshallah. Can that be your goal? Because when you set a goal for yourself, then you can work towards it. And then you can keep checking yourself. Have I improved or have I not improved? Otherwise you might say, yeah, I'm reading. But the reading has to improve. Inshallah. Okay? So hadith, who will read it? حدثنا عياش قال حدثنا عبد الأعلى قال حدثنا عبيد الله عن نافع أن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما كان إذا دخل في الصلاة كبر ورفع يديه وإذا ركع رفع يديه وإذا قال سمع الله لمن حمده رفع يديه وإذا قام من الركعتين رفع يديه ورفع ذلك ابن عمر إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ورواه حماد بن سلمة عن أيوب عن نافع عن ابن عمر عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ورواه ابن طهمان عن أيوب وموسى بن عقبة مختصرا ما شاء الله Okay, let's begin our lesson then. So the last bab that we covered was bab ma yaqulu ba'da takbiri. What is it that the person should say in his prayer after the takbir? Meaning should he immediately begin with surah al-Fatiha or does he have to say something before surah al-Fatiha? And in that we learned the first hadith which says that the sahaba the narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what was his way that after the takbir he would recite surah al-Fatiha. But that is not to be misunderstood. What is meant is that he would recite Surah Al-Fatiha out loud. And the second hadith clarifies that there would be a pause between the takbir and Surah Al-Fatiha. And Abu Hurairah, he asked the Prophet ﷺ as to what he used to say in that pause. And he told him about the dua that he would read, which was? Which dua? Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Kama ba'adta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib. So this shows to us that after the takbir, one must say dua of istiftah. And from the sunnah, we learn about many duas that can be read. A person may read one, two, or more. It's up to him. Then we have bab. And after the bab is a hadith. Okay, And we see that just the bab is there, but there's no chapter heading that is given. And this is something that you will find in Sahih Bukhari, that many times there will be a bab, but no chapter heading is given. Okay, Why? Why does Imam Bukhari do that? Because this is basically a continuation of the previous bab. But the point that he's extracting, the lesson that he's extracting over here is slightly different from the previous bab. But he did not find a need to give it a separate you know, chapter heading. It's like a side point. Okay, and what is that side point? What is that side lesson that he is teaching us? Let's learn the hadith, and we will find out what that is. حدثنا ابن أبي مريم قال أخبرنا نافع ابن عمر قال حدثني ابن أبي ملكة عن أسماء بنت أبي بكر. So who's narrating this hadith? أسماء بنت أبي بكر. أسماء رضي الله عنها, the daughter of Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم once صلى صلاة الكسوفي he performed the salah of kusuf the kusuf prayer what is kusuf prayer? the eclipse prayer you may have heard khusuf and kusuf is it the same thing? are they different? remember that kusuf with a kaf what is mentioned over here is solar eclipse which is the eclipse of the sun 
And khusuf with the kha is lunar eclipse, which is the eclipse of the moon. Now, lunar eclipse is quite common. Okay, in the sense that it happens every now and then. But solar eclipse is rare. It happens like once every 300 years or something. And it's far more, you can say, scary. Okay? So, the Prophet ﷺ, he performs Salat al-Kusuf, the prayer of the eclipse, meaning of the solar eclipse. فَقَامَ So he stood, meaning he stood in prayer. فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَطَالَ From طُول what does tool mean? To be long. So atala, he extended, he made very long. What? The qiyam. Meaning he stood in the qiyam for a very long time. It was not a short qiyam in which he recited just one or two surahs. No, it was a very long qiyam in which he recited long surahs. Summa rakar. And from another hadith we learned that it was so long that Asma radiallahu anha who was praying, she actually fainted. She actually fell unconscious. It was that long she couldn't stand for that long. So, فَقَامَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Then he went into ruku' فَأَطَالَ الْرُكُوعَ And he made the ruku' very long also. ثُمَّ قَامَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ Then he rose from the ruku' from the ruku' he got up and again the qiyam was very long. Which qiyam? Between the ruku' and the sajda. You know when you get up from ruku' you say سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ Right? And you learn about many du'as also at that time that you can say. So the Prophet ﷺ at that time also he stood for a very long time. Then what happened? فَقَامَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ فَأَطَالَ الْرُكُوعَ ثُمَّ قَامَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ فَأَطَالَ الْرُكُوعَ Then again the ruku' for the next rak'ah was very long. ثُمَّ رَفَعَ ثُمَّ سَجَدَ فَأَطَالَ السُّجُودَ Then he went into sajda and he made the sujood very long also. ثُمَّ رَفَعَ Then he got up from that. ثُمَّ سَجَدَ فَأَطَالَ السُّجُودَ and then again he went into sajda and he made the sajda very long. ثُمَّ قَامَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ فَأَطَالَ الْرُكُوعَ ثُمَّ رَفَعَ فَأَطَالَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ فَأَطَالَ الْرُكُوعَ ثُمَّ رَفَعَ فَسَجَدَ فَأَطَالَ السُّجُودَ ثُمَّ رَفَعَ ثُمَّ سَجَدَ فَأَطَالَ السُّجُودَ So basically every step of the salah, what do we learn? It was very very long. ثُمَّ انصَرَفَ Then he went away. Meaning what it means is then he ended the prayer. And when he ended the prayer, فَقَالَ He said, قَدْ دَنَتْ مِنِّي قَدْ Certainly, دَنَتْ مِنِّي It was brought near to me. What was brought near to me? الْجَنَّةِ The Jannah. Meaning, he was made to see Jannah during that prayer. حَتَّى Until, meaning so much so, it, it was so close to me, that view of Jannah was so close to me, لَوْ إِفْ اِجْتَرَأْتُ I dared. Alayha over it, Lajitukum, surely I would have brought you Bikitafin min kitafiha. I would have brought you from the from the bunches of fruit. Meaning it was so near to me, I was made to see it from so close that I felt that I could just reach out and bring you and show you a bunch of fruit. And he said, if I had dared to do that, brought you, if I had brought you a bunch of fruit, then what would happen? Later in another hadith, we find out that you would eat from it until the day of judgment. Because the blessings of Jannah, they don't end. But at the same time, وَدَنَتْ minni nar, And the fire was also brought near to me. Meaning, I saw it. It was, it was made to appear before me. حَتَّى until so close to me, that قُلْتُ I said, أَيْ رَبِّي وَأَنَا Oh Lord, am I amongst them? Who? The people of the fire. 
it was brought so close to him that he felt that he was going to be in the fire. فَإِذَ امْرَأَةٌ So there was a woman, meaning there he saw a woman in the hellfire. حَسِبْتُ أَنَّهُ قَالْ The narrator is saying that I thought that he said, تَخْدِشُهَا تَخْدِشُهَا It was scratching her. What was scratching her? Hirratun a cat. The Prophet ﷺ saw a woman in hellfire whom a cat was scratching. قُلْتُ مَا شَأْنُ هَذِهِ The Prophet ﷺ asked at that time that what is the state of this woman? Meaning why is she here? Why is she being scratched? قَالَ قَالُوا They said, meaning the angels told him, حَبَسَتْهَا That woman had locked her up. حَبَسَتْ from حَبْس which is to restrain, imprison, right? To control. So she had locked up that cat hatta until matat it died ju'an. What is ju'ar? To be hungry. So out of extreme hunger, that cat died, meaning it starved to death. La at'amatha, she did not feed the cat. Wala arusalatha, nor did she let her go. That ta'kul, it would eat itself, meaning the cat would find food itself. قَالَ نَافِعٌ نَافِعٌ said حَسِبْتُ أَنَّهُ قَالْ مِنْ خَشِيشِ أَوْ خُشَاشِ الْأَرْضِ That perhaps the cat could have eaten from the khashish or the khushash of the earth. What is khashish, khushash? What is meant by that is the the vermins, you know, insects, spiders and lizards and, and such things. Meaning that woman just kept the cat, you know, uh, tied her up and so the cat was not even free to go find anything for herself and as a result the cat starved to death. Now in this hadith what do we learn? There is many things that, that we learn. First of all we see that the we see the khushur of the Prophet ﷺ in this prayer. That in every step of the prayer, every rukun of the prayer, he had khushur because of which every every rukun of the prayer was long. The qiyam was long, the rukur was long, the sujood was long, the sitting was long, the standing was long. And that cannot be possible unless there is khushur. Because if there is no khushur, then a person wants to finish the prayer quickly. He rushes through the qiyam, he rushes through the rukur, he rushes through the sajda. But the fact that the Prophet ﷺ lengthened every rukun shows that he had khushur. And this khushur in salah, which we learned about earlier, this is something that should be uh, present in every rukun of the prayer. Because sometimes it happens that we are focusing a lot in the qiyam. But rukur, we're not focused at all. Or sajda, we're not focused at all. But what do we learn from this? That every step of the prayer, every rukun of the prayer is important. Secondly, we see the reason why Imam Bukhari mentions this hadith is that, as I mentioned to you, the bab, it doesn't have a separate chapter heading, rather it's a continuation of the previous. The previous bab was what? The previous bab, what was it? What should be said after? The takbir. Now, in this hadith, nothing like that is mentioned. What is to be said after the takbir? But what do we learn? That in the salah, the Prophet ﷺ was made to see Jannah. He was made to see hellfire. So closely was he made to see hellfire that he was afraid that he would be part of it. Which is why he said, "A Rabbi wa ana ma'ahum. And he was made to see Jannah. From other narrations we learned so closely that he felt that he could have taken something from it. So when you see a blessing and when you see some punishment, then what is it that you should do? Praise Allah and seek protection with Him. 
And in a way, Imam Bukhari is linking that during the salah, this is something that should be done. He's indirectly hinting that during the salah, this is something that we should do. Glorify Allah and seek refuge with Him. And especially this should be when? At the beginning of the prayer. Right after takbir. Subhanakallahumma. Hmm? Allahu Akbar kabira. Walhamdulillahi kathira. This is what? Glorification. Praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. This is what? Seeking Allah's protection against the consequences of your sins. So from the words of the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over here, in the way, the manner in which he prayed, what lesson do we learn? That during the salah, these two things should be done. What two things? Glorifying Allah and seeking refuge and protection with Him. And especially this should be done at the beginning, meaning before the recitation, before the qira'ah of Surah Al-Fatiha. Also we learn in this hadith about the responsibility that we have towards those who are dependent on us. Hmm? That we will be held accountable, whether it's a human being or it is an animal. Human beings, whether they are adults or children or elderly or babies. Because you see, sometimes there are people whom we are responsible for and they demand their rights from us. And because they are making a lot of fuss or noise for their rights, we give them. So for example, if it's a baby, it's going to cry and cry and cry until you feed the baby. Five-year-old going to cry and cry and fuss until you take them to the park. Right? They will demand their rights. And this is why we give them. But certain others who are dependent on us, they cannot demand their rights from us. Like for example, if it is a baby, a little baby, sometimes people do this, that they will even drug the little babies so that the baby will just sleep and sleep and sleep. What is a baby going to do? Right? Or sometimes all that the baby is given is just milk, food. That's it. But the baby needs more than that. He needs love. He needs some kind of attention, some kind of engagement. Right? But this is also a haq. Just because the child cannot demand it from you, it doesn't mean that the child should be deprived. Likewise, an animal, fish in a tank, can they demand food from us? No. They're silent, poor creatures who are completely dependent on us. They cannot come out of the water and bite us if we don't give them food. No, they're completely, solely dependent on us. So those who cannot demand their rights from us, we should still be careful towards them and give them their rights because who is going to ask us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is going to question us. And you see, um, like for example, a cat that is mentioned over here, if it was free, then it could have found its own food. And if it didn't find its own food, if it starved to death, that was not your responsibility. Because this woman had kept it. She was supposed to feed it. So we see that the day of judgment is the day of justice. And if injustice was committed against a cat even, an animal even, then what will happen? What will happen? Revenge will take place. This is why it is very, very important that if we are ever thinking of keeping a pet, you know, make sure that you are capable of looking after it. Because at the beginning it seems very, uh, you know, exciting and you feel like you can do it, but these animals, they, they need, right? They need food, they need uh, engagement, they need uh, some kind of stimulation. So it is necessary that we take full responsibility. And if we cannot do that, 
then don't take that responsibility because this is basically putting yourself in trouble. Right? Many times you see that if you ever go to a pet store, there's animals up for adoption. Why? Because many times people who have bought the animals, they're not able to take care of them anymore. And so sometimes these animals are coming from uh, abusive uh, you know, homes where they have suffered so much abuse. I remember somebody telling me that they got a cat and that cat is petrified of children. So scared that that cat hears the sound of a child and it will run away and hide under a bed. Why? Because they bought the cat from someone where children abuse that cat so much that the sight of a, a, a little human scares that cat. And it's been years. It's been years that that cat has been away from that family, but still, it's scared. Because it was abused. So, uh, in this dunya, it's possible that nobody holds us responsible, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. And these animals belong to Him. And He has given us the ability to the authority over these creatures, so we are responsible at the end of the day. Okay, next hadith. Bab Raf'i al-Basari ila al-Imami fi-Salah. Raf'i al-Basar. What does Raf'i mean? To raise, to lift up. So Raf'i al-Basari. Hmm? Lifting up your sight, meaning looking up. Looking up to who? Ilal imam, to the imam. Fis-salah, during the prayer. So the question is that during the prayer, is it allowed for a person to look at the imam? Is it allowed for a person to look at the imam? Or is he supposed to just look at the place of sajda? Where should a person be looking? During salah? Where should our eyes be? What should they be looking at? Should they be closed? Should they be looking up at the sky? Should they be looking, you know, in qiyam our hands or the place of sajda? Should we be facing the qibla, looking at the place of the qibla, like for example, the wall or the imam who's in front of us? Where should we be looking? Because you see, earlier we learned where should the hands be placed? Why? Because if the hands are not placed somewhere, where will they go? Everywhere. So likewise, the vision also has to be fixed somewhere. Because if it's not fixed somewhere, then where will it go? Everywhere. And if we're looking here and there during salah, then how can we focus in the salah? So part of khushur is the focus of the vision also. Okay. Now, remember that there are three kinds of musallis. Okay. The first kind of musalli, the person who's praying, is who? Uh, the imam. Who is the imam? The one who is leading people in prayer. The second type of person who is munfarid, meaning the person who is praying himself, alone. He's not following anybody, he's not leading anybody, he's praying by himself. And the third kind of person is who? The ma'moom, meaning the one who is praying his salah behind the imam. Now the ruling for the imam and the munfarid, the imam and the person who is praying by himself, the individual, it's the same rule. And what is that rule? That they should be looking at the place of sajda. They should be looking where? At the place of sajda. Why? Because a person is standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And in that, there should be some respect. And how do you show that respect? By looking down. Because part of showing respect to someone is that you don't look around here and there, look up or stare at them. Right? What What is respect that you are humble in your posture and even in your vision, you are humble so that your eyes are down. 
And in the Quran we learn قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who are humble in their prayers. And humility first and foremost is expressed by your face. Right? That what's the expression on the face? And major part of the face is the eyes. If a person is saying, yes, I'm very, very scared of you, but the eyes are looking here and there. Or a person is rolling their eyes. That doesn't show humility. But if a person is looking down, then that shows humility. The imam and the munfarid, both are required to look down because this is closer to khushur. Now, what about the ma'moom? The one who is following the imam. Now, he is also supposed to be looking down. Okay? But because he is required to follow the imam, follow the imam, how is that done? Following the actions of the imam. Following the imam on hearing the words of the imam. Okay? How do you follow the imam? You, you hear him say, Allahu Akbar, and then you know, okay, I have to move. But we know that, uh, we, you, that for example, the imam says, Allahu Akbar, to go down into rukur. You cannot immediately go down into rukur as soon as you hear Allahu Akbar. You have to make sure that the imam has actually gone down into rukur. Then you go down into rukur. Now sometimes, uh, you know, hearing that is sufficient, but at other times you really, you, you need to see the imam. You need to see the imam. Or sometimes what happens is that you join the salah. Okay? So for example, you join the imam, the imam was in sajda. Now the imam gets up, you don't know if he's sitting, because you don't know if it was first rakah or second rakah, and you don't know if he's gonna stand up. So, what are you supposed to do? Just keep looking down at the place of sajda. You have to look at the imam. Why? In order to better follow the imam. Because following the imam is a requirement for you. Sometimes you follow the words, that is sufficient. And other times you have to follow the actions. And you cannot follow the action until you see the action. You understand? So there are certain times in which the ma'moom, you know, he has to see the imam. So in that situation, is he allowed? Yes, he is allowed. Okay? Remember that during salah, any kind of movement which is not part of the salah is generally not allowed. Okay? Like for example, you're standing in prayer and you take a step to your right. Or you take a step to your left. Is that allowed generally? For no reason? Are you allowed to do that? No, you can't do that. But if it is for a reason that you take a step to the right, which is, for example, joining the saf, or taking a step to the right so that you can be facing the pillar, so that the pillar can be your sutra. Okay? Now, that movement is allowed. Why? Because it is for a genuine reason. It is for the purpose of performing your salah better. You understand? So any kind of movement which is not part of salah, but it is made in order to better perform the salah, that movement is permissible. Whether it is the movement of the body, or it is the movement of the eyes. Once the Prophet ﷺ was praying the salah, and a companion came, a young companion came and stood by his left side. So what did he do? He moved him. From his head, okay, to his right. And the Prophet ﷺ was moving his hands. 
His arms. Is that allowed generally in salah? No. But why did he make that movement? In order to perform the jama'ah correctly. So what do we learn from this? Whether it's the movement of the eyes, or the movement of the hands, the movement of the feet, or the movement of the body. If it is for the purpose of better performing the salah, for the purpose of iqamatu salah, then it is permissible. So there are times when the mu'mum has the need to look at the imam. Can he do that? Can he see the imam? Yes, he can. Now logically it makes sense, but is there any evidence from the sharia? Yes, there is. Let's look at the ahadith. وَقَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ And Aisha رضي الله عنها said, قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي صَلَاةِ الْكُسُوفِ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said regarding the eclipse prayer, what did he say? فَرَأَيْتُ جَهَنَّمَ I saw hellfire, meaning during the eclipse prayer. يَحْطِمُ بَعْضُهَا بَعْضًا Part of it was crashing into other parts. Meaning fire was literally consuming, you know, one part of it was consuming another part. حِينَ رَأَيْتُمُونِي تَأَخَّرْتُ Hina at the time when رَأَيْتُمُونِي You saw me تَأَخَّرْتُ Stepping back. Because during this eclipse prayer from other narrations, we learned that the Prophet ﷺ stepped forward and then he also stepped back during the prayer. Why did he step forward? Because he saw Jannah and he wanted to take something, grab that bunch. And why did he take a step back? Because he saw hellfire and he was afraid that he was going to be part of it. So he says over here, When you saw me taking a step back, that is when I saw hellfire consuming parts of each other. Now, notice the word, you saw me. You saw me? Who is you over here? The Sahaba. What were the Sahaba doing? Praying behind the Prophet ﷺ. They were also in prayer. They were the ma'moom. Alright? Who was the imam? Rasulullah ﷺ. Now during the prayer, the Sahaba saw the Prophet ﷺ moving back. How, how did they see him moving back? Because they were looking at the imam. Or they took, or, or they cast their glance at him for a moment or two. So, from this hadith, what do we learn? That it is permissible for the ma'moom to look at the imam when there is a need. You might say, why were the sahaba looking at him? Why weren't they paying attention? Of course they were paying attention, but if they saw the Prophet ﷺ was taking a step forward, taking a step back, it's something unusual. Is he giving a message to us? Are we required to do the same thing? What's going on over here? Okay? Now, I want you to notice something. This statement that is mentioned here, وَقَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ Is this a hadith? Meaning hadith according to a muhaddis, where the chain of narration is mentioned and the text is mentioned? No. So what is this? This is just a part of hadith that Imam Bukhari has mentioned over here. And the complete hadith, he mentions it later in another bab. So what do we learn from this about the style of Imam Bukhari? That sometimes... There is a hadith that he has mentioned in one place, alright? And he finds the need to mention it again in another place. But he will not mention it as a complete hadith, rather he will just write a part of it. Why? In order to keep the book brief. Okay?
نیکسٹ حدیث حدثنا موسا قال حدثنا عبد الواحد قال حدثنا الاعمش عن عماره بن عمير عن ابي معمر قال هي سيد قلنا لخباب هي سيد وي سيد تو خباب سو ابي معمر از اسكينج خباب اكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقرا في الظهر والعصر اكان ا ديد كان هي يوز تو Did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to yaqra'u recite fi al-zuhri wal-asri? In the zuhur and asr prayer? Recite what? Qira'a, it's understood, Qur'an. Did he recite any part of the Qur'an in salat al-zuhur, salat al-asr? They asked, Khabbab, qala, he said, na'am, yes, he did. Qulna, we said, bima kuntum ta'rifuna? How do you know? How do you know that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite something? بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْرِفُونَ ذَاكَ ذَاكَ means that. So how do you know that? قَالَ He said, بِالطِّرَابِ لِحْيَتِهِ By the movement of his beard. Because you see, ظُهُرْ صَلَاةِ When the Imam is leading, he's not reciting the Qur'an out loud. Because it is sirri. It's not jahri. It's supposed to be sirri. So the people... Later on they wondered that did the Prophet ﷺ recite any Qur'an? Because he was silent. So how do we know? So this companion, he said that yes, he used to recite the Qur'an. But how do you know? You didn't hear him. He said because we used to see his beard moving. Because from the side, from behind, when they saw him, his beard was moving. If it was moving, that meant that his mouth was moving. If his mouth was moving, in Qiyam, it's understood that he was reciting something. Abu Hurairah radhiallahu anhu, He asked the Prophet ﷺ that in the silence, what is it that you say? And these sahaba, Khabab ﷺ for instance, he knew that the Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an because his beard was moving. Now notice the word اضطراب. What does اضطراب mean? What's the root? ضضرابة. What does ضرب mean? To strike. اضطراب is to strike here and there, here and there. Back and forth. It's basically, uh, the, it's basically when things are not calm. Okay? When there is disturbance, when there is unrest, when there is commotion, this is basically what اضطراب is. So, اضطراب of the beard, meaning his beard was constantly moving. It wasn't like still. And that meant that his jaw was moving, which meant that his mouth was moving, which meant that he was reciting something. Okay? So, in this hadith, what do we learn? That the companions, they saw his beard moving, which means that they saw the imam, they looked at the imam. Hmm? They were watching him. So this shows that the ma'moon may look at the imam during the salah. Next hadith. حَدَّثَنَا حَجَّاجٌ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ قَالَ أَنْبَأَنَا أَبُوْ إِسْحَاقَ قَالَ سَمِعْتُ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنَ يَزِيدَ يَخْطُبُ He was giving a khutbah. He was addressing. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا الْبَرَاءَ So in this khutbah, he said that Bara' narrated to us. Bara' meaning Bara' bin Azib, the companion of the Prophet ﷺ. وَكَانَ And he was غَيْرَ كَذُوبٍ While he's narrating this hadith from Bara' he says, Bara' was غَيْرَ كَذُوبٍ He was not a liar. He was not at all a liar. Meaning he was truthful when he said this. Meaning he didn't make this up. This actually happened. Notice the word kadhub. What does kadhub mean? Because it's on the structure of fa'ul. 
right? Like غفور. غافر, one who forgives. But غفور, very forgiving. So كذب, liar. But كذوب, one who lies a lot. غير كذوب, not غير كذب. He says غير كذوب. He's negating كذوب, which means that he's negating any form of lying from Bara, that he was not a liar at all, not even in the least. This is just like about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do we learn in the Qur'an? وَمَا أَنَا بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدٍ I am not at all ظَلَّام Not ظَالِم, ظَلَّام Okay, because it's negation of extreme ظُلْم, of any kind of ظُلْم. Alright? So, وَكَانَ غَيْرَ كَذُوبٍ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا That indeed they used to, إِذَا صَلَّوْا When they used to pray. Who? The Sahaba. مَعَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ when they used to pray with the Prophet ﷺ, فَرَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الرُّكُوعِ And he raised his head from the rukur. قَامُوا قِيَامًا They would stand, قَامُوا They would stand قِيَامًا Standing, meaning they would remain standing on getting up from the rukur. حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ يَرَوْنَهُ They saw him قَدْ سَجَدَ That in fact he had gone into sajda. So what did Bara' say? That when they, the Sahaba used to pray behind the Prophet ﷺ and they would get up from the rukur, they wouldn't just go down into sajda on hearing the Prophet ﷺ say, Allahu Akbar. No. They would remain standing and wait for the Prophet ﷺ to actually go down into sajda. When he would go down into sajda, then they would go down into sajda. So how would they know if the Prophet ﷺ had actually gone down into sajda? How? By seeing, by looking. So notice the word, hatta yarawnahu, until they saw him. So this is the evidence that the ma'moom may look at the imam if there is a need. And this hadith also teaches us another lesson, which is that don't be too quick, okay, after the imam, meaning when he says Allahu Akbar, sometimes what happens is the imam barely says, ah, and people are already on their way to the sajda. Let him finish saying Allahu Akbar and then go. Because there is severe warning. You're moving before the imam, there's a severe warning that the head may, be, may become like that of a donkey. Something very serious. حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن زيد بن أسلم عن عطاء بن يسار عن عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال he said خسفت الشمس على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that the sun had eclipsed in the time of the Messenger ﷺ So he prayed. The Prophet ﷺ prayed, meaning he let the eclipse prayer. قالوا, they said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, رَأَيْنَاكَ Notice the word, رَأَيْنَاكَ We saw you. تَنَاوَلُوا You were taking, you were reaching out for. شَيْئًا something في مقامك In your place of standing. Meaning, during your qiyam, while you were standing, we saw you reaching out to grab something. ثُمَّ رَأَيْنَاكَ Again, notice the word رَأَيْنَاكَ Then we saw you. تَكَعْكَعْتَ تَكَعْكَعْتَ You were stepping back. So, what do we learn from this? كَعْكَعَ is to take a step back, to retreat. We saw you taking a step back. قَالَ He said, إِنِّي أُرِيتُ الْجَنَّةَ Indeed, I was made to see Jannah. فَتَنَاوَلْتُ مِنْهَا عُنْقُودًا تَنَاوَلْتُ I reached out in order to grab مِنْهَا from it, meaning from Jannah, عُنْقُودًا عُنْقُود is basically used for bunches of grapes. 
a bunch of grapes. Okay, so he saw unqud and he wished to take a bunch or two of those unqud. Walau akhastuhu, and if I had taken it, la akaltum minhu, surely you would have eaten from it. Ma baqiyat dunya, as long as this world would remain, because the fruits of Jannah they're never ending. The blessings of Jannah they're never ending. Ma indakum yanfad, wa ma indallahi baq. What what is with Allah shall remain forever. So again, in this hadith, what do we see? That the Sahaba were looking at the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. حدثنا محمد بن سنان قال حدثنا فليح قال حدثنا هلال بن علي عن أنس بن مالك قال صلى لنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prayed for us, meaning he led us in prayer. ثم then رقى رقى what does that mean? Raqiya, fartaqi. To ascend, to go up. Okay? To climb. In the Quran also you have read different, different versions of this. So, thumma raqa or raqiya, he ascended al-mimbar, the mimbar. He went up on the mimbar after the prayer. Why would he go on the mimbar? In order to address the people. Fa'ashara biyadayhi. Then he indicated, he gestured with his hands, Qibala, in the direction of Qiblatil Masjid, the Qibla of the Masjid. He pointed towards the Qibla of the Masjid, meaning the wall which was right in the front, which the Prophet ﷺ would face in the prayer. Summaqala, then he said, an. Certainly I saw now, meaning Mundu Sallaitu. At the time when I was praying, lakum, for you, as-salata, the prayer, meaning at the time when I was praying, certainly I saw al-jannah wal-nar, paradise and hellfire. Mumathalataini. This is a new word. What's the root? Mim salam. Mithal. Mathal. What does that mean to be similar to? Mumathalataini, meaning both of them depicted, both of them portrayed, both of them represented. They were shown. Fi qiblati al jidar, in the direction of this wall. During the prayer, when I was leading you, I was made to see jannah and hellfire. Both of them shown to me, displayed to me. Where? In this wall. Falam arakal yomi fil khairi wa sharri. And I have not seen anything like that, anything good, nor anything evil. Meaning there is nothing good or nothing evil that I have seen like what I have seen today. Kalyaum, like today. Thalathan, three times. Now, what do we see in this hadith? The Prophet ﷺ said, لَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ I saw. Now, this shows that the imam was looking where? The Prophet ﷺ was looking where? Qibla. What Qibla was that? Fi Qiblati Hadal Jidar. The wall. He saw, he looked at the wall. Which means that he wasn't looking at the place of Zajda, he was looking up. So earlier, we learned that the Ma'moom, when there is a need, he may look at the Imam. Now this shows to us that if the Imam has to see the wall, or something else during the prayer, if it's necessary, then can the imam look? Can he? Yes, he may. So what do we learn from all of these ahadith that we have learned? That 
generally the ruling is that when the person is praying his eyes should be focused on the place of sajda why because this is closest to humility but if for some genuine reason there is a need to look elsewhere then can a person do that yes now what is the need checking your phone who's calling no that's not a need what is a need something that is essential for the prayer something that is essential for the prayer or something that is necessary uh you know very very essential for the safety or the well-being of people okay like for example the imam is praying he's right in the front okay and he sees that there you know on the wall in front of him there's something that's quite dangerous like like you know a snake or something it's possible if he and he doesn't know what is coming he he may have the need to look so that he can determine whether uh they should continue to pray or not or whether he should move to the side so that he is not harmed by that creature okay so uh, there could be an emergency situation which may require for a person to look to turn his gaze away can he do that yes he can but every little thing is not a need okay because sometimes what happens is that we're praying and we see that oh somebody has come in they're standing next to us and then we have to look at them to see who they are that's not essential that's not important okay bab raf'i al-basari ila as-sama'i fi as-salah before we continue read the previous hadith everybody out loud haddathana muhammad ibn sinan Okay, you have raqiya. That's fine. Raqiya, raqa, both are said the same. Thumma raqiya al-minbara fa-ashara biyadayhi qibla qiblati al-masjidi Salatan. Okay. Next time, please read a little louder. Okay. You should have some voice in your reading. Bab rafi al basari ila samai fi salah. Rafi al basar to look up, raising up your vision, raising one's eyes. Ila samai to the sky fi salah during the prayer. During the salah, can a person look up? to the sky so for example he gets up from rukur and he says samia allah li wan hamida and he looks up can he do that or he's praising and glorifying allah and he wants to look up can he do that let's find out in the in the previous bab we learned that a person may look at the imam and the imam may even look in front of himself if there is a need but in general a person must be looking down can a person look up حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال اخبرنا يحيى بن سعيد قال حدثنا ابن ابي عروبه قال حدثنا قتاده 
What is the state of aqwamin, of certain people, yarfa'una absarahum, who raise their eyes, meaning who look up, ila sama' towards the sky, fi salatihim, during their prayer. Fashtadda qawluhu, ishtadda, from shadid. What does it mean? Fashtadda qawluhu, meaning his words became very strong. Very stern in this regard. Fi dhalika in that, meaning in this regard, hatta so much so that qala he said, layantahunna. Surely they must definitely cease. They must definitely stop an dhalika from that. Aw or latukhtafanna absaruhum. Or their vision will be snatched away. It will be taken away. So from this hadith, what do we learn? You're not allowed. A person is not allowed to look up to the sky during the prayer. And because there is a severe warning, what does it show? That this is actually from Kaba'iru Zunub. It is from the major sins. Because we learn that for any sin, for any action, if there is a serious warning of punishment, of consequence in this life or the next, then that action is considered to be of the Kaba'iru Zunub, of the major sins. So looking up to the sky during the prayer is something that is not permissible. And if you think about it, it's not permissible, okay. But even logically, does it make sense? That a person is standing before the Lord of the heavens and the earth, worshipping Him, and He's looking up to the sky? It's rude. This is su'ul adab. It's really bad etiquette. Because prayer is all about humility, all about khushur. And this is not humility that you're glorifying someone, you're standing before someone and you're looking up. No. Humility means that you're looking down. Humility means that a person is looking down. Now, a question. If a person does look up to the sky during the prayer, now this is something serious as we learn from the hadith. أَبْصَارُهُمْ They better stop or their vision will be snatched away. Does it Break the prayer? Does it invalidate the prayer? If a person looks up to the sky during the prayer, will that invalidate his prayer? According to many scholars, yes, it will invalidate the prayer. Why? Because this is an action that is forbidden. Why is it forbidden? Because the Prophet ﷺ gave a severe warning. If he gave a severe warning, what does that mean? It's forbidden. And when something haram is done, then that nullifies ibadah. Okay? Like for example, eating during fasting. Is it permissible? No, it's haram. And riba, Is it halal or haram? Haram. But it is haram in general. Okay? Now, eating during fasting is something haram. And if a person will commit this haram action during fasting, what will it do? It will nullify his fast. When it comes to riba, it's tahrimul am, right? Generally haram. If a person does backbiting during fasting, will that break his fast? No. It won't break his fast. Because it's yes, it's haram in general, but it's not haram 
in fasting in the sense that it will break his fast. Okay? So when a certain action is forbidden during an act of worship, if that action is committed, then that act of worship is nullified. Eating during fasting is forbidden. If a person eats, fast is broken. Looking up to the sky during prayer is forbidden. And if a person will look up during the prayer, then that means his prayer is nullified. So according to some scholars, it is that serious. And it's a very strong point if you think about it. When you compare it to fasting, it's very, very strong. It seems like a very logical, uh, reasonable evidence. But unfortunately, this is quite common. That people will look here and there and they will even look up to the sky. And sometimes it is, uh, you know, in making dua that they're looking up to the sky. Okay? Now, when you're making dua outside of salah, can you look up to the sky? Of course you can. Why? Because du'as, they go up, the answers come down, right? So that is the qibla of du'a, you can say. And the qibla of salah is, you know, in front of you, okay? So you can look up. And in the Qur'an also we learn about the Prophet ﷺ in the second juz, Surah Al-Baqarah, قَدْ نَرَا فِي وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ Right? That we saw the taqallub of your face, you know, towards the sky. That we saw it turning up again and again. Why? Why was he looking up again and again? In hopes that the wahi would come. Where does the wahi come from? From the sky. So likewise, when you're making dua, where does that go? Up. So when you're making dua outside of the prayer, for sure you can look up. But during the salah, we're not allowed to look up. Okay? Also another uh, reason that the scholars have given is that when a person is praying... It's a requirement, uh, it's a condition that he must face the Qibla. Okay? Facing the Qibla is a condition. And facing the Qibla how? That your body and especially your face. Okay? And if a person is looking up, then his face is no longer facing the Qibla. When he's not facing the Qibla, then Salah is not valid anymore. Okay? Exactly. Okay, when it comes to looking around, like looking to the right or looking to the left, which is iltifat, inshallah we will come to that, which is the next bab. See how logical the order is that this has happened second time with us. Huh? That a question comes to our mind, what about this? And we find out that that's the next bab. Hmm? Bab al-iltifati fi salah Iltifat. What is iltifat? Iltifat is basically to turn. A sudden transition. You know, in the Quran, uh, it's one of the, you know, points of balagha, you can say, of iltifat, which is that in one context, sometimes in one ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to, uh, himself as we. And then, switches from we to he. Okay? Or from he to I, or, or something like that. Like the, the person is changed. This is called iltifat. There is a sudden transition of the person. Alright. So, al-iltifat is salah. So, iltifat is to look around. It is to turn to the right or to the left. Okay? To look around. Because if you think about it, sudden transition. You, when you're praying, you're supposed to be looking down. And if suddenly you look to the right, even if it's just with your 
eyes and not really turning your neck or turning your side, you're moving away from your salah. You're not focused in your prayer anymore. You're distracted. Okay? Iltifat is of two kinds. Firstly, iltifat fil badan. The turning away of the body. Now the body includes your eyes, it includes your neck, it includes your entire jism. Okay? So the first level is the turning of the eyes. That a person is facing forward, the head is slightly bent down, but the eyes are going to the right, they're going to the left, they're moving, they're revolving around, they're, sh- they're looking at things that they should not be looking at. This is the iltifat of the basar. This is the first kind. Of, so we're talking about iltifat of badan, of the body. First is, in that is, of the eyes. Secondly, it is the, uh, meaning in the jism only, sorry, bil badan only. Second is neck, ter- turning iltifat of the laqaba, of the neck. How? That a person is standing, but his neck turns to the right so that he can look as to what is on the right, or his neck turns to the left so that he can look at what is to his left. Okay? This is also iltifat. And the third is the entire body, the entire jism. So a person literally, he, you know, turns to his head. You may have seen children when they're praying, what do they do? They're constantly doing this, right? Of course they're children, it's understood why they're doing it. But it doesn't mean that grown-up people also behave like children. So whenever they feel like they turn to the right and they turn to the left and they're taking a step back and step forward for no reason. The second type of iltifat is bilqalb. So you can see the first iltifat is the physical one with the body, whether it's with the eyes or the neck or the entire body. And the second is with the heart. Okay? Which is basically the heart, it turns away from the salah. The heart should be involved in the prayer. When you're saying, Subhana Rabbi al-Azim, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, you should, your heart should be engaged, you know, in thinking about these words. But if the tongue is pronouncing Subhanahu Rabbi Alim and the heart is thinking about the phone, okay, or a person is thinking about the food that he's going to cook, or the shopping that they're going to do, or what some, someone said, or what they saw on the street, or what somebody's talking about right now, this is the turning away of the heart. This is iltifat bil qalb. We'll talk about that. Okay, the distraction of the heart. Now, all of these, whether it is iltifat bil badan or iltifat bil qalb, they are iltifat. And what is the reality of iltifat? As we will learn, this is something that shaitan takes away from your salah. Hmm? For those few moments that you were distracted, shaitan, you know, stole that salah from you. Does it nullify the prayer? Iltifat bil qalb? No, that does not nullify the prayer. Iltifat bil badan. Iltifat bil badan. It will nullify the prayer when it's with the body. Not that if a person looks here and there, then his salah is broken. No, but if he turns away, okay, like for example, a person is standing and he turns to his right completely, okay, 
that will nullify the prayer. Why? He's not facing the qibla anymore. He's not facing the qibla anymore. Okay? But iltifat bil qalb, it doesn't break the prayer. Why? Why doesn't it break the prayer? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows us. Hmm? We are human beings. And uh, it's part of being human that when you are concentrating on something for a long time, there are those few seconds here and there, those few moments here and there where you do get distracted. You see, even when you're talking to someone, you're having a conversation with someone, then what happens? All of a sudden you start thinking about something else and you bring yourself back. Right? It's normal. It doesn't mean that a person doesn't strive to control his thoughts. No. As soon as he feels that he's getting distracted, he brings himself back. A flashback, right? So it happens. You're listening to someone and that reminds you of something that you heard or you saw and you start thinking about it, which makes you think about something else, which makes you think about something else, right? And then you bring yourself back. No, no, I'm here. I'm talking to this person. So what is iltifat? What damage does it cause to our prayer? Because we must understand that damage. If we don't understand it, then we're not going to bother to avoid it. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا أبو الأحوصي قال حدثنا أشعث بن سليم عن أبيه عن مسروق عن عائشة قالت she said عائشة رضي الله عنها said سألت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم she said I asked the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم عن التفات في الصلاة about التفات during the prayer فقال so he said هو it is Ikhtilasun. Ikhtilasun. I'll leave it as ikhtilas. Yakhtalisuhu shaytan. That shaytan takes away min salatil abdi from the prayer of the servant. It is ikhtilas that shaytan takes away from the prayer of the servant. The question is what is ikhtilas? Ikhtilas is from khalasa and khalasa is to steal. Okay, to steal. But it is to steal how? Bisur'ah, quickly. You see, there's different kinds of thieves. One is, like in the Qur'an we learn about a surqa, sariq. Who is sariq? The one who commits theft. But how? How? Secretly. Okay? So he goes in the middle of the night when people are sleeping. Or he goes when nobody's home, nobody's watching him, nobody sees him. Okay? Secretly he goes and takes the property of someone without their permission. This is the work of who? Sariq. Another is Nahib. Nahib is he who takes something away with his power. So for example, someone comes, you know, with a gun, points it at the teller and says, you know, give me all the money that you've got. This is who? Nahib. Who takes something away with his quwa, with his power. Okay? And the third is Mukhtalis. And who is Mukhtalis? Mukhtalis is someone who is basically, uh, who basically comes and takes something away while the owner is looking, watching. Okay? In front of his eyes. But how? Quickly. He just quickly grabs it and takes off. And the owner is like, what just happened? And he cannot even retrieve it. He cannot even get it back. Alright? Like for example, sometimes it happens that everybody is sitting at the table and eating and somebody just comes and 
grab something from your plate, you know, like a chip or a potato or something, and or a carrot or something, takes it away and pops it into their mouth and off. And children will do that sometimes. And it's like, what just happened? You didn't take my permission. Is that theft? No. Is that uh, like a robbery? No. What is it? Ikhtilas. And you see, a mukhtalis, what is he doing? He's basically watching for the right moment when he can grab that thing and speed off. Take off with it. So, what do we learn then? That when a person is praying salah, shaitan is basically watching. That when is that moment when this person is going to be even slightly distracted from his prayer? Or how I can distract him from his prayer? So that he can look to the right or look to the left or he can think about this and think about that. And those few moments, you know, of his prayer from which he can get a lot of reward, I can just steal that away from him. So that he is deprived. Not that shaitan will get any reward. He can't steal that reward and, you know, put that in his record. No. He just wants us to be deprived. What is taken away from people? Something precious, something valuable. And this is what shaitan wants, that the reward that you're accumulating from that, even if he can cause you a loss of 10% or 5%, he wants to make sure that you suffer even a little bit of loss. So the Prophet ﷺ said, هُوَ إِخْتِلَاسٌ يَخْتَلِسُهُ الشَّيْطَانُ مِنْ صَلَاةِ الْعَبْدِ From the prayer of the servant. This is what shaitan wants. حَدَّثَنَا قُتَيْبَةُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا سُفْيَانَ عَنِ الزُّهْرِي عن عروة عن عائشة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى في خميصة. She said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم once he prayed salah in a خميصة. What is خميصة? A blanket, a shawl. لها أعلام. It had أعلام. What are أعلام? Marks. Okay. It had marks on it, meaning a design on it, and that means there were different colors. There was some kind of pattern or something. It had some design on it. أعلام. فَقَالَ So he said, شَغَلَتْنِي أَعْلَامُ هَذِهِ The marks, the designs on this distracted me. اِذْهَبُوا بِهَا Take this shawl away. إِلَىٰ أَبِي جَهْمٍ To Abu Jahm. وَأْتُونِي And bring me بِأَمْبِجَانِيَّ With the أَمْبِجَانِيَّ Take this back to Abu Jahm and bring me another shawl. And that shawl should be أَمْبِجَانِيَّ Which is... Basically, a plain one, without any marks. Because Abu Jahm had gifted this shawl to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ was wearing it. And when he prayed in it, he felt that he was distracted by its design. So he didn't want it anymore. So he had it you know, taken back to Abu Jahm, but at the same time, he didn't want Abu Jahm to feel hurt. That Abu Jahm is going to feel the Prophet ﷺ rejected my gift. So he said, take this back and bring me the plain one from him. So that Abu Jahm would still be happy. The Prophet ﷺ didn't reject my gift, rather he took something else. Hmm? Now, what do we learn? When a person is wearing a very patterned garment, then naturally what happens, that uh, that pattern will pull your eyes. It will distract you. Why? Because your heart is attracted to it. Okay, And as a result, whatever you admire with your heart, you're going to look at it. And you're going to look at it once, and you're going to look at it again, and you're going to look at it again and again. And it happens sometimes that you start looking at the pattern, on, especially on the prayer mat. 
and you start looking at the noticing the uh, huh yeah that if it's parallel or not if if the pattern is correct or not you start observing the problems the flaws okay the imperfections so it's a big distraction so what do we learn this hadith shows to us that iltifatul qalb is similar to iltifat bil basar because obviously the clothes were on the prophet ﷺ, so he wasn't really looking here or there turning to the right or the left no the distraction was where in the heart so iltifat bil qalb is like iltifat bil basar both must be avoided and we see that the prophet ﷺ did not like that even his heart be pulled away from the prayer so what does it show to us that we should avoid praying near something around something or a place that will distract us from the prayer whether it is people that are talking or it is some noise that is coming from a screen or you know anything that is going to distract us from the prayer that is not going to let us focus on prayer avoid that area avoid that thing so that you can focus on the prayer in another hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ once he said, Allah continues to look upon his slave while he is praying, so long as he does not turn away. If he turns away, meaning he turns his face away, his vision away, then Allah also turns away from him. So when a person is praying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also giving attention to him. But when a person begins to think about this and that, and he begins to look here and there, and turn here and there, then Allah also turns away from that person. And this is a hadith of Musnad Ahmad, Al-Nasai, and other books also report this hadith. And here I'm going to ask you about your homework, which was that what are those few things that we can do in order to improve khushur in our salah. So what did you find? One thing that helps is praying in a quiet place, okay? And also praying uh, in a place which is not that uh, distracting in uh, physically. So n- not too much color or, you know, sometimes what happens is that you're praying in the living room and the kids' toys are all over the place. And as you're praying, you're thinking, when I'm going to end, I'm going to put this here and put this there and put this here and put this there. Don't pray there. Don't pray there. Don't pray in the middle of that mess because how can you pray while there's a list of things to do that is being made at the same time? You can't focus. So in general, in your life, as a habit, make a list of things that you have to do. Write things down. Because our problem is that many times things that we have to do, we don't make a note of them. And... Every now and then we think about them. Oh, I still have to do that. I still have to do that. Oh my God, I forgot about that email. I forgot about this work. And generally these things come to our mind when? When we're praying. 
and our worry is that we're going to forget about it. Okay? So, the, when you've made a list, when you've written things down, then during the prayer when the thought will come, you can repel that thought by telling yourself, I have it written down. I'll deal with it when the time comes. But one issue that I have with making a list right before salah, is that during the salah you'll be thinking about things that you still have to add. So don't do this right before salah. This should be a general habit in life. You know, have a to-do list. Always write things down that you have to do. Don't burden your brain with unnecessary uh, things, lists. Write things down. Get it out of your system. The Prophet ﷺ was able to pray salat al-kusuf long, like long qiyam, long rukur. How? He had time for it. So if we make time for prayer, then we don't have to rush through the prayer. And if we're not rushing through the prayer, then we can have better focus and humility in prayer. Okay? So time management. You see, salah is an action that will only be right if the rest of your life is in order. And if you improve on your salah, the rest of your life will also be in order. Because if you're always rushing through things, you'll be rushing through prayer also. If you're always late, then you'll be late for salah also. If you're always distracted because you have a dozen things to do, then you'll be distracted in salah also. Salah reflects the state of your life, the quality of your life, of your performance, of your skills in general. Another thing that I find helps is um, we make slow wudu. And then it just calms you down. So just before you're going into salah. Okay. So making sure that you do wudu, because that will help you focus in the prayer. Knowing the meaning of what you're reciting. Good. Yes. In a lecture yesterday, he had mentioned that whatever is measured will automatically improve. So he had recommended making a chart and just sort of dividing each prayer, so five prayers, and then giving 10 points per prayer. So you have 50 points per day. And each thing, like, did you use your miswak before uh, while making wudu? Did you do this? Did you do that? Things like that. And at the end, you have a number. So, for example, I start today, I get 27 out of 50 on my prayers for five prayers. Uh, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, it will improve. And whatever you're measuring, if you have a measured goal, that will also help you to focus. Yes, very true. So, for example, you could measure the quality of your prayer by how much uh, Quran did you recite? Which surahs did you recite? Because generally our habit is قُلْ عَرْضِ بِرَبِّنَّا سَقُلْهُ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ You know, quickly rush through the prayer. Uh, but really, you know other surahs also, so why not recite them? So for example, if you have recited a particular surah, a different surah, then give yourself an extra mark. Okay? Analyze your prayer every time. And also, uh, an- another way could be uh, the du'as. Always be in comfortable clothes. So sometime at home, like it's summer, maybe you're in half, half sleeves and you, you, your hijab might not cover your sleeves. So it's best to put on a baya if you're not in comfortable clothes. Okay. If your body is properly covered. Yeah. So that you're not constantly worried that it, is my shirt coming up or is my, are my pants coming up or my ankles showing or something like that. So you want to be as relaxed as possible and for that, have something for salah. Okay, these days, alhamdulillah, you get these big, long hijabs that go down to your feet. So if you are, if you don't have to worry about your clothes, then you, you know, it's one less problem. Bismillah, alaikum. I was thinking about uh, 
like when we stand up in the salat, we have to remember in front of who is standing, yes. in front of Allah. If, if we are standing in front of camera, we'll be really careful. So we have to remember Allah is watching and shaitan try to steal him. Yes. So we have to care. Yes. A very important point that, you know, when you have something precious and you know that somebody's trying to grab it, take it away from you, how do you keep it? Or well, what's your state? You're extremely alert. You know, like, for example, if you have a purse and it doesn't have a zip on top and you're out in public and there's too many people going back and forth, what's your fear? Somebody's going to put their hand in. Right? If your purse is empty, you're not going to care. But if your purse has money, cash, then you're going to have it clutched under your arm or you're going to have it right in front of you. You're so alert. And any person who's around you, you know, you look at them to make sure nobody's looking at your purse and you, you're so alert. So during the prayer, remember that A, we're facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and B, shaitan our enemy is waiting for that moment where he can steal our prayer from us and take off with it. Adding on to um, that point is um, how, how like to help ourselves like, um, know that we are standing in front of Allah is to increase our knowledge in the greatness of Allah. So knowing all His names and their attributes so that when you stand in front of Him, you know how great He is and that's going to help you humble yourself. Yes, that is true. Jazakumullah khairan. They've seen the salah and the fact, like all the things that they've mentioned, and also he was saying that how when shaitan is waiting, for, when Adhan goes, he's gone. But as soon as you start your salah, he's waiting to pounce on you and steal from your salah. And he mentioned about, you know, the, what we learned also in, in our tafsir class about uh, turning to your left and spitting to your left, like hmm. not spitting, spitting, but just yeah, a, dry a, spit. a dry spit three times. And some of them, were, some of them were, didn't know about it, some of the audience, and they were asking him about it. And I was thinking to myself, that imagine for every fault or mistake we make, Allah has given us an answer for it. And that, 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 while I was cooking and making things, I was listening to these lectures and I was thinking to myself, Alhamdulillah, our religion, mashallah, mashallah, has so an answer for yes, everything. But we, unfortunately, as even he was saying, that know your Allah, know who you're talking to. Who are you standing in front? Like you see, when you're getting ready to see your boss or you're going to work, how do you dress up or how do you do? But for Allah, why don't we do that? And He is the Creator. And I like what point He made. He says, we're preparing, we're so busy preparing for this life. So how much have we prepared for that life which is forever? And it's so true. We're so busy with the dunya. So what have we done for the akhirah? And that is the life, not this one. And that made so much sense. And also think about it that, you know, when you're speaking to someone and you feel like they're not really in that conversation, how does that feel? How does that feel? You feel so upset that you're like, you know what, I'll talk to you later. Sometimes we stop mid-sentence. We stop mid-story. Why? Because the other person is not interested. Right? It's, it's very, very rude. So uh, this is why when we are speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we better be mentally and spiritually, wholeheartedly present over there. Okay, next bab. Bab, هَلْ يَلْتَفِتُ لِأَمْرٍ يَنْزِلُ بِهِ أَوْ يَرَى شَيْئًا أَوْ بُصَاقًا فِي الْقِبْلَةِ We learned in the previous bab that iltifat is something that must be avoided. Whether it is iltifat bil badan or iltifat bil qalb, it should be avoided. 
But sometimes, I mean, you know, in a certain situation, there may be a need to look, you know, to the right or to the left because of some emergency situation. So is it permissible? هَلْ يَلْتَفِتُ Can he turn لِأَمْرٍ for a matter يَنْزِلُ بِهِ that descends on him, meaning that happens to him during the salah. أَوْ يَرَى شَيْئًا or he sees something أَوْ بُصَاقًا or spit okay, فِي الْقِبْلَةِ in the qibla, in the direction of the qibla. Meaning due to some need, in some emergency, can a person turn to the right or to the left, turn to the side, look. Likewise, look at the wall because someone has spat on it. He sees something najas or something dirty. Is it permissible for him to look at it? Like for example, a person is praying, a woman is praying, and all of a sudden her son, whom he, she is toilet training, comes in front of her and goes away. But then she feels that the carpet is wet. She feels that he may have wet himself, standing right here. Now, can she look at that spot to confirm? Can she do that? Yes, because she has to go do sajda. Right? And she should know whether she should, you know, recite a long surah in her qiyam or a short one. Make her sajda long or short. You know, this is something that happens. It happens. So in this situation, if she looks Towards that spot, will that be iltifat such that it will break her prayer, invalidate her prayer, or make her lose reward from her prayer? Because this is an urgent situation, an important situation. Likewise, a person is praying. Let's say the imam is praying, he's leading the people in prayer. And behind him, he sees that in the row behind him, all of a sudden he notices somebody is lying down. Now, he wants to make sure, did they fall unconscious? Did they break their prayer? You know, some emergency happened? You know, what happened? Or there is a lot of noise, commotion all of a sudden on the side, so he wants to make sure. Are things okay? Is there a problem? So for that reason, he turns his neck to the right to to look at that individual in order to make sure that things are okay. Now, this is an emergency. Is that going to invalidate the prayer? Is that shaitan stealing away? Is that going to make him lose his reward? Let's find out. وَقَالَ سَهْلٌ And Sahl said, إِلْتَفَتَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ فَرَأَ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Abu Bakr رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ إِلْتَفَتَ He looked around, he turned around and he saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Now this is also a part of a longer hadith that Imam Bukhari has mentioned earlier in another bab, which is Mandakhala Liya Ummun Nas. So in this hadith, what do we learn? That once Abu Bakr was leading the people in prayer, and the Prophet came and joined. And in one incident we learned that uh, the people started making noise so that Abu Bakr would know that the Prophet has arrived. And Abu Bakr al he would not look around in salah. But when the noise increased, then Abu Bakr turned back and saw that the Prophet had come. Abu Bakr was leading the people in prayer. He turned back and saw the Prophet had come. And then what happened? He 
he took a step back so the Prophet ﷺ would lead. In another incident, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ came while Abu Bakr who was leading, and Abu Bakr who looked in to see that okay, the Prophet ﷺ has come, he's joining us in prayer, so he wanted to take a step back so that the Prophet ﷺ would lead. He he would become the Imam. Okay, so in all of these various narrations, what do we learn? Abu Bakr he turned. He was the imam, he turned. Why did he turn? Because he wanted to see if it was the Prophet ﷺ or someone else. And if it was the Prophet ﷺ, why did he come? Did he come to lead the people? What's going on? حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا ليس عن نافع عن ابن عمر أنه قال ابن عمر عنه said that رأى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نخامة The Prophet ﷺ رأى He saw what did he see? Nukhamatan. Spit. Meaning someone had spat and it had dried up. Fi qiblatil masjid. In the qibla of the masjid. Meaning in the direction of the masjid, front of the masjid. Someone had spat on the wall and that spittle, it had dried up. Wahwa yusalli bayna yadayinnas. And this he saw while he was praying before the people. Bayna yadayin. Meaning before, in front of the people. In other words, he was leading them. Fahattaha. So he scraped it off. What? That spittle. He sp- he scraped it off. ثُمَّ قَالَ حِينًا صَرَفَ Then he said when he ended the prayer that إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ Indeed one of you إِذَا كَانَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ When he is in the prayer فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قِبَلَ وَجِهِ Then indeed Allah is before him. فَلَا يَتَنَخَّمَنَّ Then he must not at all spit. Who? أَحَدٌ Anyone. Where? قِبَلَ in the direction of wajhi, his face, his salah, in the prayer. Rawahu Musa ibn Uqbata wa ibn Abi Rawadin al-Nafir. Now, what do we see? That the Prophet ﷺ, during the prayer, he looked up to the direction of the wall and he noticed that someone had spat over there. And in this narration, we see that he scraped it off. It's understood that he scraped it off after the prayer. Because in order to scrape it off, there would be a lot of movement it wasn't necessary, it wasn't that urgent. okay. And secondly, he would need something in order to scrape it off. So, yes, it's mentioned uh, you know, right immediately after the fact that he saw it, but it's understood that he scraped it off after. But the fact that he saw it during the prayer, what does it mean? That a person may look up to the right, to the left, to see something that, that may be necessary to look at. Now, and the Prophet ﷺ warned the people, he said that if when some, when one of you is praying, then he is facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قِبَلَ وَجْهِ Then indeed Allah is in front of him. Allah is before him when he's praying. So he should not spit towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is extremely disrespectful. Extremely disrespectful. If someone coughs in your direction even, or sneezes on your face, even that is rude. Forget about spitting in front of a human being. That is extremely rude. Spitting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the height of disrespect. So the Prophet ﷺ forbade us from doing that. And if a person has that urgent need during the prayer to spit, then what should he do? Okay, use a napkin or something. Like for example, in hadith we learn that he may use his cloth. 
So if you have a, uh, you know, Kleenex or something in your sleeve or it's nearby, then you can use that. Okay? Or back in the day, the masjid was such that the ground was not carpeted, obviously. So, and the people would wear shoes in the masjid, their sandals in the masjid. So they were told to spit under their left foot. Okay? So that it's not even visible to anybody. Because sometimes it happens that a person coughs and there is phlegm in his mouth. Now, he should not swallow it. He has to get rid of it. He should he keep it in his mouth. No, he has to get rid of it immediately. And for that, he shouldn't spit right in front of him. Rather, he should spit in something or under his foot. Okay? Now, the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ Allah is before him. The question is, how can Allah be before someone during the prayer? How? Allahu Adam. We don't need to think too much about it. Okay? Uh, firstly, remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on his arsh. Okay? And, uh, he can describe his action, his place, you know, where he is by anything that he wants, and we, we accept it. We don't go into the kaif. How? Takif, we don't delve into that, because it's beyond us. We cannot fully comprehend. Yes. No, but the Prophet ﷺ clearly said, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قِبْلَ Allah is before him. Not that he is before Allah. Allah is before him. And this has been mentioned in many, many ahadiths. So we cannot change this to like a person is facing Allah. No, Allah is before him. Firstly, remember that the khaliq should not be compared with the makhluq. Yes, Allah is on his arsh. How can he be before someone? And five people are praying, 50 people are praying, thousands of people are praying at the same time. How can Allah be before so many uh, you know, individuals at the same time? He knows. We don't compare the state of the creator with the state of the creation. We don't make any resemblance between the state of the khaliq and the makhluq. And secondly, remember that this is possible for the makhluq. How? Like the sun when it is setting or at the time when it is rising, it appears to be right in front of you. Isn't it? But where is it actually? It's above you. Right? The sun is above you, but it appears to be right in front of you. So, if it's possible for the makhluk, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's glorified, He's above any kind of limitation or any kind of restriction, any kind of imperfection, any kind of fault or flaw, He's above that. So, we don't go into the taqif, we just accept it. And we also learn this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ after the prayer, what did he do? He scraped off that phlegm, that mucus, whatever it was, from the wall of the masjid. Even though he was the Prophet of Allah. He could have asked somebody else to do it, but he did it himself. So what does it show? That when we see munkar, when we see something wrong, then no matter who we are, we should stop it, we should correct it. And when we have the opportunity to do something good, then no matter who we are, we should do it. Never think that something good is below you. Or we are too above correcting uh, you know, some munka. No. If the Prophet ﷺ removed somebody else's spit from the wall of the masjid, imagine. We, we look at something like this and we're disgusted. We look away. We don't want to look again. I remember in Ramadan... Uh, during Taraweeh, uh, one of the sisters, she suddenly threw up. Now, as difficult as it was for her, because imagine being in that situation where 
you don't have any control and she just threw up on the carpet and if she tried herself to clean up that mess it would be impossible and these sisters were going back and forth without any expression of disgust on their face no they just quickly came and asked how, how do we clean this and they were told how to clean and immediately they went and did the job right it wasn't like it's not my mess it's her filth she should be cleaning it no this is the house of allah this is masjid it is important to every single one of us all of us wanted to be clean yes the sister is unwell it, this mess happened because of her but we will clean the masjid because this masjid is for everyone right if there's a problem in the masjid it's everyone's problem not the not just the problem of the one who caused it حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا ليث بن سعد عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب قال اخبرني انس قال بينما المسلمون في صلاه الفجر انس رضي الله عنه قال تبينما once while المسلمون the muslims في صلاه الفجر they were in the fajr prayer once when the muslims were performing the fajr prayer لم يفجاهم الا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم None surprised them all of a sudden except the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam yafjahum yafja from fajim hamza fujaiya remember fa fujaiya what does that mean fa that gives a meaning of suddenly suddenly so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he suddenly appeared before them before who the muslims who were praying salatul fajr and what did he do kashafa He removed sitra, the curtain of hujrati, of the hujra, the room of Aisha, Aisha radiallahu anha. Muslims are praying, all of a sudden, the Prophet ﷺ, he removed the curtain of the room of Aisha radiallahu anha, which opened to the masjid. And when he removed it, the people, I mean, they saw him, they noticed him from the corner of their eyes. فَنَظْرَ إِلَيْهِمْ And he looked at them. وَهُمْ صُفُوفُ While the Muslims were all standing in rows فَتَبَسَّمَ so he smiled يَضْحَكُ and he almost began to laugh he was so happy that he was smiling delighted وَنَكَصَ and he retreated who? Abu Bakrin رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَقِبَيْهِ his feet meaning he Abu Bakr رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ he stepped back why? so that the Prophet ﷺ could come take the position of the Imam and lead the people in prayer And Abu Bakr retreated لِيَصِلَ لَهُ الصَّفَّ So that he can join the صَفْ Which صَفْ? The صَفْ behind him فَظَنَّ So he thought أَنَّهُ يُرِيدُ الْخُرُوجِ That the Prophet ﷺ intended to خُرُوجِ Meaning intended to come out to the masjid in order to lead the people وَهَمَّ الْمُسْلِمُونَ And the Muslims thought أَنْ يَفْتَتِنُوا فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ That they would be in great fitna in their prayer Meaning they almost wanted to break their prayer And go rushed to the Prophet ﷺ because they were so delighted to know that the Prophet ﷺ had come. فَأَشَاغَ إِلَيْهِمْ So he indicated to them, أَتِمُّوا صَلَاتَكُمْ Carry on with your prayer, complete it. So Abu Bakr anhu, he remained in his place, he led the people, and the people, they also remained in their places and they continued the prayer. And then فَأَرْخَ sitra He dropped the curtain. Meaning he let it fall, meaning he closed it. And so the people did not see him anymore. وَتُوُفِّيَ And he was taken, meaning he died, min akhiri dhalikal yawm. On the end of that day. This is the day that the Prophet ﷺ passed away. Because you know that the Prophet 
for several days he was unwell right and the last day and for the three days that he was unwell he had Abu Bakr and who lead the people in prayer and the first of those days when he was unwell he tried himself to come to lead the people in prayer but he wasn't able to and that is when Abu Bakr and who was asked so every single prayer Abu Bakr led and on the third day which was the last day of his life the third day of his illness the last day of his life what happened? Fajr prayer, the Prophet ﷺ came, lifted up the curtain while the people were still praying. And when he saw them standing in rows, performing salah as they should be performing, he was so happy that he was smiling and laughing. And the people, they were in fitna that they thought that Prophet ﷺ is fine, he's okay, he's coming back. And they almost wanted to break their prayer. But the Prophet ﷺ told them to carry on. He let the curtain drop and he went away. And at this time, after the salah, the Sahaba thought the Prophet ﷺ is fine now. Abu Bakr who went and saw him and he saw the Prophet ﷺ was fine. So Abu Bakr, he went to one of his gardens, his properties that was towards the outskirts of Medina, which was far away. And when he was there, he was given the news that the Prophet ﷺ had passed away. So he rushed back and he saw that yes, the Prophet ﷺ had passed away. The Muslims were stricken with grief. Umar who was standing in anger. Nobody said the Prophet ﷺ has died. And then Abu Bakr who he took control of the situation. Hmm? But in this we see something beautiful, which is that when the Prophet saw the Sahaba performing the salah in Sufuf, he began to smile and laugh. Because a leader, when is he happy? When he sees that his mission is complete. And how is it complete? That when the people whom he was teaching, they have learnt what they were supposed to learn. And they are doing the job themselves. So this is, you know, this, this is just like when there is a mother and she's teaching her daughter how to cook, how to clean everything. And then her daughter gets married and then she goes to visit her in her house and she sees that the daughter has prepared the food and everything is ready. So she knows that her job is done. Her daughter is ready. And that makes her proud and happy and satisfied that all those years that she had been struggling paid off. Right? The crop is ready. The crop is ready. Like in the Quran, we learned the example of the Prophet ﷺ. It pleases the cultivators, the farmers. When they see their crop, it's ready. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw his sahaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased him. He satisfied him. And when he saw that his companions were ready, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took his prophet away. He went happily. He, he, he left with this satisfaction that his ummah will carry on the job, the mission. That it will not die with him. It will continue. And how was it shown to him? How was it proven to him? The sufuf of the sahaba. The rows of the companions. When they were engaged in ibadah, their rows were complete, their rows were proper. That showed the Prophet ﷺ that Sahaba were ready. They were ready. They could, they could be left on their own now. So it really shows to us that once the Muslims, we can form our rows properly, then our condition will improve. And if our rows are not improved, then our condition has not improved. We think, oh, rows, what have they got to do with anything? They have got, you know, they are really the essential part of the improvement of the Muslims. They're the foundation. 
Anyway, the reason why Imam Bukhari has mentioned this hadith over here is to show that the Sahaba, they, they looked from the corner of their eye or even some of them may have looked to see really the Prophet ﷺ has come. Okay? So if there is a necessity, if there is an urgent reason, if there is an important reason for a person to look to his right or left during the salah, then that is permissible. Okay? And this is the beauty of our religion. That we have the rules which must be strictly observed. But at the same time, this deen is a deen of fitrah, a natural religion. Human needs are taken into consideration. And it's normal that there will be situations where a person will have to look here and there. And that is allowed. Okay? And with this we will end. And with this, your homework. And what is your homework? Do your laundry. Okay? And observe how cold water washes better, washes stains better. Okay? Yes. And dry in the sunshine. Why? Subhanallah. Sun, sun is the best bleach. Okay, good. Uh, try white. Try white because it is a thawbul abyad. Okay? Kama yunaqa thawbul abyad min ad Yes. Yes. Once you put it in the dryer, the stain is set. So first of all, the first step is to run it under cold water, to run cold water over it, so the stain will be washed off, and then you launder it. So that's one of your homeworks. And the other is Arabic reading practice. It wasn't Fajr time that he passed away. It was later in the day, as we learn in the hadith, Okay, meaning in the later part of the day, at some other point of the day. Exact time, I cannot recall right now, but you can check inshallah. But from other narrations, we see that Abu Bakr, he prayed Fajr. And he went just in the outskirts of Medina. And when he got there, soon after he got the news. Okay, so it wasn't like evening. It was before that. It was before that. But on the same day. During Qunut al-Witr, um, it's within the prayer, with the, within the salah, and you're standing with the hands up, uh, uh, making dua. Um, uh, so can so you look up at that time? Yes, some people do that. You so cannot look up no, at that right? time. Okay. Okay? Because even though you're making dua in the salah, you are first in salah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you should be looking down, and that shows more humility. You should not be looking up. Okay. And the other question is, um, uh, during salah, uh, if young children you know, are around you and they're crying, then... It is permissible to lift them or? Of course it is permissible. And likewise, uh, you know, a mother, she's holding her baby or her baby is right next to her and something is coming. She sees, she feels that she can send some movement and she wants to look to see if it's a bug or or what. She can look because it could just be, you know, a waswas from shaitan. She sees and it's actually a bug that's crawling so she picks up her baby. Okay. And, or she looks. And she sees that it's only a piece of black thread. 
So she doesn't pick up her baby. Right? She needs to know whether she, she should actually pick up her baby or not so she can look in that direction. So if, if the baby's like crying and maybe she's, you know, worried that the baby's disturbing other, you know, people in the prayer, um, can she hold the baby? Of course she can salah? hold the baby. And yes. even like throughout the salah? Yes. Throughout the salah she can hold the baby. Okay. 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 Yes. When you're praying and then while in the middle, like outside the door, it becomes very loud. Are you able to move and go close the door so you can focus? Prayer? If it's literally like a hand away. Like okay. it's a bit further. No, you, if you have to walk and then shut the door and come back, no. no. But if it's just like a step away, you, all you have to do is take a step to the side or to the left or to, you know, to the front and then just shut the door with your hand, you can do that. Okay? A little bit of movement is okay. But a lot of movement is not okay. I've experienced people uh, saying like uh, the takbir out loud to stop the others around them from making noise. So is that permissible? Okay. Uh, when you want to get the attention of other people, okay, during the prayer, then we learned earlier in Kitabul Adhan that uh, for the men, they should say subhanallah, okay, out loud, subhanallah. And the women, they should clap, clap. Okay, and make sure that you tell your children and your family that when I'm praying and I clap, that means there's a problem. Okay, not that they're wondering why is Mama clapping in prayer in in her salah. Okay, sometimes what we do is that we start reciting out loud or we start saying takbir out loud. Allahu Akbar. Now, okay, that will get the message across perhaps, but you have to have khushur. Okay, so even though we may have had the habit of saying Allahu Akbar out loud and reciting out loud with a lot of, you know, in a very aggressive tone, what's better is that you do what the Prophet ﷺ said: the women should clap and the men should say Subhanallah. Yes. I put my cell on alarm and I forget to turn it off. So I went to Salat Tarawih and I was the end of the row, but I put my bag a little bit away from me. So when the time comes, start to make a noise. So and everybody's get annoyed. So I have to move, get down to my purse, pick up my cell, put it off, put it in the bag, and then get up in qiyam and continue the salah. Is that permissible or my salat was not valid? You see, if you just have to take a step forward or back or it, to the it right. It is a step, but I have to open my bag. That's fine. Okay. This may happen with people. That you forget to put your phone on silent and it's in your pocket or in your purse right in front of you, right by your side. So in that, yes, there is a little bit of movement, but again, it is for the purpose of performing the salah properly. Okay? So, because of that reason, that movement is okay. Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaqbiluka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.